0: Um, It is so great to ask questions, and we were debating, do we do Q&A, do we not? And actually, we love that you ask questions. We love that you question. Question the stuff that you've been told. Question the stuff that you've always just believed. Just question things. Just ask questions. And it's great to ask questions in a really respectful way. And it's great to ask questions to the people that are in your lives all the time. So actually, if you hear nothing else, if you hear no other answers that satisfy you or you think, that's what I wanted to know, hear that. You have got an amazing resource right next to you. If you're a youth leader, can you just give us a whoop, whoop and a little wave? Whoop, whoop. We love these guys. I'm a youth leader and I love it when my youth ask me questions. And actually these guys are with you all the time. There's someone else that might be able to ask you questions and that's your parents as well. If you feel you can, you can ask your parents questions. And these guys are with you. They're not just with you for half an hour on a stage at New Day. They're with you back at your campsite, back in your homes, every week at youth group, maybe every day if it's your parents. So that is what we want you to leave with is that you need to keep asking questions. We're also asking questions. Some of the questions that you asked us, we had to ask each other, we were like, what does this mean? What are you asking that for? So keep asking questions, you'll never stop asking questions your whole lives, and that's a really good thing, and ask your youth leaders, ask your parents, and yeah, go home with that. But let's kick off with some of your questions, and we'll do our very best to answer them. Um, Like I said, we got lots and lots and lots of questions, so some of them we've kind of grouped together, because a lot of them are quite similar. So we'll kick off with the first question, which is just a one question, but... Um, Kate, do you want to answer this one? So this is, uh, what does the Bible tell us about
1: marriage? Okay, what does the Bible tell us about marriage? Um, so the Bible is actually all about marriage, and um, that's probably not what everyone is um, thinking I'm going to say. But um, the Bi- thats is the—it's it's basically it is a love story. I've got notes on my phone. I'm not texting anyone. I promise. And. Um, um, If you said to me, is the Bible about marriage, it would be almost like you saying to me, is the Bible about God? That's what it is to me, because actually it is about marriage. It's about Jesus being the bridegroom and about his church being the bride. And um, I'm actually going to read a few verses out to you, so start um, from reading the Bible. And um, this is going to be from Ephesians 5, but I'll just um, read it to you. But it's basically, the whole story is about... Jesus pursuing and chasing his bride, which is the church. And, um, and even in Revelation, the whole thing ends in a marriage as well, which I won't read Revelation to you now, but I'm going to read a bit of Ephesians so you can see what I'm saying. Um, so this is from Ephesians 5. I'm going to just read a bit from verse 22 onwards a little bit. So bear with me. So wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. He gave himself up for her. He died on the cross for her. Kate, paraphrase. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water and the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle. So that's like um, the bride being white, being pure. In the same way, husbands love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. This is all of us are members of his body. All of us are part of the church, those that have given our lives to him. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. So it's talking very clearly in the Bible, marriage is a man and a woman. This mystery, this is the important verse I want you to remember. This mystery of marriage is profound. That means it's like... um, it's just off the chart. It like does your head in. It's like what is almost un- uncomprehendable. It's profound. I'm saying that, that marriage refers to Christ and the church. So let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So is the, is the, Bi- is the Bible, um, does it talk about marriage? The whole thing is about marriage. And I think um, that's going to be my short answer. And I know we'll touch on bits on that later on. But, and I'm sure I visit other stuff.
0: Yeah, there was loads more questions about relationships and dating and stuff, so that'll be helpful. Maybe to go back to that when we're talking about that a little later. Cool. Um, Taylor, next question is for you. Um, so these are a few questions just about meeting with God at New Day and then going home. So how do I keep the closeness to God that I've experienced this week? Do I have to keep praying for the Holy Spirit or does it come naturally? Will God control me if I become a Christian? So cool. hopefully you can talk around those yeah. things. yeah.
2: <laughs> No, yeah, I think it can be really difficult, can't it, when you're at an event like this um, to then go home to school or maybe home to non-Christian family. That's what happened to me when I became a Christian, actually. Um, I went home and it's it's different, isn't it? You don't have the band, you don't have thousands of people around. Um, But when I hear these questions, I think about um, Jesus in the Bible when he calls himself the bread of life. And he's also referred to as living water. And I was thinking a bit about this um, last night. And I was thinking about food and water. It's something you need, right, to stay alive. It's something that sustains you, keeps you going, gives you energy. Um, And I think being close to God and the Holy Spirit is exactly that. I was thinking about, you know, when we're little, um, when we're kids, we ask our parents, you know, if we're hungry or we're thirsty, we go, Mom, Dad, like, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty. Um, And, you know, they feed us and they water us. And I think God's exactly the same. Um, When you go to God, you can say, you know what, Lord, I don't feel close to you right now. I'm hungry for you. I'm thirsty for you. Um you know, or, you know, I just can't feel you right now. I can't feel the Holy Spirit. Can you feel me again? And the Bible says, you know, go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. I think, to be honest, that sounds a little bit difficult sometimes. Go on being filled, and you stand there and think, oh, I don't really know how that works. But I think it is as simple as going, you know what, God, I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. And yeah, I think that's how you can get close to God. And with the control thing, I think, It can be. I think that's something that people think a lot of the time. It's what I thought when I was younger. Um, I didn't want to take God on and have another person bossing me about or telling me where to go or what to do. And actually, I found that the closer I got to God and the more I said to him, you know, I'm hungry or thirsty for what they have or this peace that that person has or this joy that that person has, Um, the closer I got, the more um, my behavior changed. And actually, it was more that I wanted to do things that I knew were good for me that lined up with what God said. Um, I think that happens quite naturally. So, yeah, it's all a choice thing.
0: Great. And again, if there's something in there that you had asked that wasn't quite covered, like please have a chat to your youth leaders or your parents.
2: Um,
3: Carolyn, do you want to add something? Yeah, after? I just want to say that there's a bit in the Bible that says, I'm paraphrasing, it says, you can do anything you want, but why would you? So what the scripture actually says is, all things are permissible, but not all things are expedient. God says, you can do anything you want, but why would you? And that's when we talk about God controlling us. God doesn't want to control us. He wants to do what you want. But when we're in a relationship with Jesus, instead of just going for it and doing whatever we want, we pause and say actually, God, is this going to bless me? Is this going to bless my church? Is this going to bless my family? Is this going to bless your name and the kingdom? And they're the pauses on our lives. So sometimes you look around you and think, oh, yeah, Christians can't get drunk, or Christians can't do this, or Christians can't do that. But actually, the real truth is, is that those who are in relation with, relationship with God choose not to. I choose not to get drunk because I don't think that would honor my father. God's never said to me, don't you dare get drunk, I'll cast you out. It's never happened.
1: And there's nowhere in the Bible that says that either. The other, thing, the other verse I think of is where it says about God gives you um, the desires of your heart. And I think um, when you think about a question about um, about God wanting to control you, I think it's kind of just flipping it again and thinking there's desires in your heart to do things. So it, you're probably thinking, oh, there's some things I really want to do. If I become a Christian, am I just not going to be able to do them? And um, But but he's a good, good God. He loves you. and um, And you've got to think, where do those good things come from? So many of the desires of your heart, whether that can be... It could be passions for sport, it could be passions for adventure, it could be passions for fashion, for makeup, I don't know um, what your passions could be. It, it, he's a good, good father, and those, um, those desires you've got in your heart, like, like I, I imagine that most of them are going to be from God anyway, and they're for good things. Obviously, they can be turned for evil and for bad, and that's the kind of things that God would be like, no, I want you to be pure, I want you to be righteous, I want you to use them for good. But it's not about control, it's just, if you can see it as some of the desires, many of them are going to be good, and God's going to be like, yes, when you get hold of your desires and your promises, man, you are going to fly, and you're going to love it, and we're going to have so much fun on adventure together. Great.
0: Brilliant. Um... Cool. Carolyn, do you want to take this next question? Um, so there's quite a lot of questions um, relating to um, like mental health issues. Um, so one of them was, what does the Bible say about mental illness and self-harm? Um, there's another one that said about, my friend hurts herself, what do I do? Um, there's a couple about healing. How many times do I pray for God to heal me of depression before I give up? Um, and linked to that, I guess, why does God heal some and not others? So quite a big big one, uh, big topic, but... Uh, what, what do you think about that
3: so the first bit of the question is is uh, what does the Bible say about mental mental illness um, that 's the easiest bit of the question because in isaiah fifty three five I was reading my paper it says that, um, he was whipped it says he was wounded for us he was whipped so that we could be healed, and god doesn 't look and go mental illness Ugh. Jeez, that's not like cancer. What do I do about that one? Illness, God looks and says, I sent Jesus so that you'd be whole, so that you'd be healed from sickness and disease. And that is God's desire from us, is that we're healed. So, what the Bible says about mental illness is that God doesn't like illness, God doesn't want sickness, and He wants us to be healed. <clears throat> However, healing looks different for different people and comes at different times and different ways for different people. Um, and I'll just tell a little background story is that uh, when I got married, after I got married, about a year maybe after I got married, I realised that my husband and he realised that he had quite bad depression. And uh, we just lived with that depression. That was a part of our lives. He had, would go into very deep recesses as we call it in our house um, and it would be really really tough and really really hard and we loved God we prayed fervently for healing and he still had depression and it went on for a long long time um, and then <clears throat> very slowly over the last four or five years we've seen an improvement so he's not healed but we've seen an improvement the, the recesses are not as deep and it doesn't come as often However, I thought, that's pretty tough. That's hard. Living with a person with depression is really, really hard. And then my daughter got to 13 and got depression. And I just thought, there's no way we can't do this again, can we? And again, we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And I just thought, it's going to be the same, right, God? Because Meryl's had depression for 24 years and it's going to be the same. I'm going to be nurse in a door, you know, well into marriage and, and long term life, and then uh, a couple of years ago, our church did a thing called um, an impossible list, and they asked people to write down what was impossible for them and something that God could uh, do in that year ahead. So it was in the January. And two of my daughter's friends came up to her. She'd been avoiding her friends lots because she had depression. She didn't want to see anybody. And two of her friends came up to her and said, hey, we just want you to know that um, we've made a pact and uh, you're at the top of our impossible list. We're asking God to heal you. And it, it shocked her. It really blew her away that somebody cared enough to do that. And time went on and they kept praying fervently and that was their thing. And we got to about the summer, just at the end of the summer, coming into the September, and she just came to me one day, and she said, I'm not depressed. I was like, what do you mean, not now? She's like, no, I'm just not. I'm just not. All the anxiety's gone. The depression's gone. It's just gone. So she got healing within a two-year period. My husband, healing still hasn't come. So healing works differently for other people, but the reason... I'm telling you this is because actually my husband's been a great encouragement to those around him who have suffered with mental illness all through his depression. Even when it's been really bad, he will continually encourage people and he's continually looking to see, God, how do we build kingdom in this? And so his testimony has been, yes, I've got depression, but I love Jesus and I'm going for Jesus and he's a fervent man of God. My daughter's been able to say. God healed me, and that has brought encouragement. God is all about building the kingdom. He's all about seeing his word and seeing the name of Jesus spread across, seeing our lives change. And sometimes that means that healing doesn't come immediately because God is building the kingdom that way. And sometimes it means it comes quickly because God is building the kingdom that way. Great, and if
0: any of those questions or you've got any other questions like that um, and that you want to talk to somebody, then there is time at the end for prayer, so please hang around. We'd love to pray with you, chat through some of that stuff. And like I said at the beginning, what did I say at the beginning? Speak to your? Youth leader or parent, yeah, great. So yeah, go home and speak to someone who you love and trust in your life that you can talk to about those things because we don't want you to have to deal with that on your own, that that actually that's something that we want you to be surrounded by people who love you in those situations and help you. And again, if, If if you wrote the question or you're someone who's got a friend who's going through that, it's really important that you speak to somebody about that situation and actually deal with that situation. Don't be carrying that on your own. Don't be dealing with that on your own. It's too big for you to handle on your own, and you need to get God involved in that, and you need help to do that. So, um, yeah, just bring that to someone that you love and trust, and if you want to stay around at the end, we'd love to pray with you on any of those issues or any of the rest of the issues that we've been talking about. Cool. Should we do another, or would you rather okay so well, let me find them now um would you rather right kate would you rather oh this is a good one have one wish granted today yeah. or wait 10 years and then get three wishes granted ooh. what do you reckon what would you guys do do you, would you do one today hands up one day, or ten, or in ten years, three wishes. Or
1: okay, I've got my answer. Okay, I heard a little. Have you all decided? Kate,
0: what's your uh, Kate. <laughs> what's your answer?
1: <laughs> so my answer is that I would wait ten years, and do you know why? It's because why? like it's a bit like what Carolyn's saying. There's seasons in your life, isn't there? Where it just feels hard at certain points, and there's other seasons where maybe you feel god closer or you just feel like some things are going well and um and i think if i'm honest right now i feel i feel like god is close and the family are quite healthy i'm loving my church and i just think um yeah that's why it's a bit of a spiritual answer on a really silly question because yeah because we going not be in wishes, but you know. But there you go, that's my answer. My answer would be the, always the cop-out answer with
0: wish questions. Well, I'd wish for a hundred more wishes. Yeah, so. I, thought
1: that, I thought we couldn't play that one. Thought, yeah, yeah, You
0: can't play that card. Cool. Um, Taylor, one more. Would you rather... <laughs> okay. Would you rather... This is possibly one of my favourite would you rather Have superpowers. Amazing. Or have Christmas never end. Oh. What do you reckon? Give me a little wave and a whoop if you'd rather have superpowers. Whoop, whoop. Give me a little wave and a whoop if you'd rather have Christmas never end.
2: Oh, not that many. Oh, you guys, you guys are thinking Christmas, huh? No, 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 I think superpowers. No, no, no. Okay, so now don't get me wrong. I love Jesus, okay? I love Jesus. But Christmas in the UK, that is just one big stress. There's shopping, there's food, there's oven timers, there's like, oh, get, put your nice dress on, get out of your pajamas. No, I can't handle that stuff. And the songs, I feel like a month. I, I, I love Christmas songs, but for a month. I'm like Elf for Especially a month. It's upsetting me. Uh, and also, I love the X-Men. Like, I love the X-Men, right? So superpowers, yeah. Superpowers would be awesome. I've got to go. So what
0: would your superpower be?
2: Oh oh you know because x-men have you seen x-men so does anybody know mystique yeah how cool is that you can turn into whoever you want at any time you can walk into any party you could walk into any room but be the president
0: great great answer i love that you've thought (laughs) through that answer so thoroughly that's very good Okay, so next question. So let's go to the dating ones. Um, so we've got loads and loads and loads of questions about dating. Um, so I'll read through a little list of them, then we'll just talk about um, the whole issue in one go. Um, so how far is too far with boys? When is it okay to start going out with a guy? My boyfriend is drifting in his relationship with God and pressuring me into sexual things. What do I do? And how do you tell your non-Christian boyfriend about God and what you believe? Um, so... Um, Taylor, do you want to do a little testimony bit on this first? And then I'll talk about some stuff. Is that okay? Yeah,
2: you yeah, can do. Um, yes, yeah, so I became a Christian at like 15. And then 16, 17, it was a bit of a funny kind of road. And I had, um, I would say he was a non-Christian boyfriend. Um, and yeah, it's hard because, you know, you fall for someone. You're like, this is the best person ever. Um, and to be honest, for a while, I think he was definitely above God for me. Um, and so it was really difficult to kind of, you know, I'd say, oh, like maybe maybe we could pray today, or maybe we could, um, and it went on for about a year. Um, and you know what? Eventually, it just got to the point where I had to think about what was really important to me, where I wanted to be in a few years, um, who I trusted the most, whether I trusted him the most, whether I trusted myself the most, whether I trusted a God who created the universe uh, the most. Um, and yeah, I think when I decided to put my trust in God, it just got to a point where I had to be really honest about what I believed and not really care what anybody thought um, and trust that God had better plans for me. And now, um, I don't know, four or five years later, um, I'm in a relationship with a Christian guy. Um, and the difference is just incredible. Um, actually, a lot of the, the, the temptation and the kind of having a boyfriend that wants you to do maybe sexual things or things that you don't agree with, actually having the difference now being with a Christian guy... Um, who will, you know, say we're sleeping in separate rooms, we are, you know, doing it this way, is so much more attractive to me now. Um, and I see so much more of a love from him because he's serving me um, in the way that God would have him respect me and serve me. It's beautiful. And yeah.
0: Great. So that's- Thanks. That's so helpful. I think it's, it's a big question and we always get loads of questions um, about this stuff because actually the Bible talks a lot about marriage like we talked a little bit about at the beginning and it talks a lot about friendship um, and friendships with, other, with various different groups of people in different ways but it doesn't kind of explicitly talk about dating because in the culture that the Bible was written in that just wasn't really something that they did you had someone that you were going to be set up to marry and you got married to them and that was that and there wasn't like a season where you kind of got to know them and hung out and went to the cinema and went to the movies and had lots of romantic time it just wasn't like that it wasn't like the movies it wasn't like what Hollywood would tell us is the right way to go about finding a. Um, I love abortion. the way you said that
1: in like a bit of an American accent. <laughs>
0: Oh, that just sort of happened. Sorry.
1: Um. <laughs> it's like you were like in Hollywood. Well, it is yeah. just like
0: it is like that, though, isn't it? It's like you kind of think this is the dream. I'm going to be, um, yeah, I'm going to be Taylor Swift and date all these famous celebrity guys, and that's going to be my story. And actually, like that isn't the reality of what most of us are facing. And um, yeah, it's probably quite unhelpful for that to be our main thing in our head of that's what dating is. Um, so we want to look at the Bible and look at what the Bible does say about how we live our lives and. Um, so some of you might be thinking about dating, some of you just might not be on your radar and that's totally fine wherever you're at, um, but the Bible says a lot about how we live and that includes how you live as a 12 to 14 year old girl. So there's a um, verse in Romans 12 um, which talks about being a living sacrifice and in the message it says this, take your everyday, your ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work or going to school and you're walking around life and place it before God as an offering. And an offering, like we've just been talking about this morning in the Big Top, an offering is a gift and it's something for God to use for his purposes. So when you give your money in the Big Top towards the things that New Day are talking about, that's, that's going to be used for God's purposes. That's going to be used to build his kingdom. So it's the same, what this verse is saying about your life, that you can give your life to Jesus. And for some of you, you might have done that for the first time this week. And that might, might mean that stuff changes quite a lot in the next few weeks as you go home and back to your lives that you came from before you came to New Day. And for some of you, it might mean that you've recommitted your lives to Jesus this week. And that means that your life's going to change quite a lot in the next few weeks as you go back home and have to make decisions about all the stuff that you were involved in before you came to New Day. And actually, that's quite a big thing to be thinking about on this last kind of full day of New Day of what am I going to do with this stuff? And some of you, it might mean that you've got non-Christian boyfriends or you've got boyfriends that you really know that actually this isn't God's best for me. This just, right now, this isn't me giving my life to Jesus as a gift I think there's an age thing as well, so we just want to really be clear that if anyone is pressuring you to do anything sexual, that that is actually a really, that's not okay, and it's okay for you to be uncomfortable with that, and it's absolutely essential that you speak to an adult in your life about that. That that is, that's a really serious note that we want all of you to hear, that if you feel uncomfortable with anything anyone is asking you to do, that an adult in your life wants to help you through that situation. Speak to somebody you trust. I'd be devastated if one of my girls was going through that and felt they couldn't speak to me. or Your youth leaders want to help you. If it involves a youth leader, then please speak to a parent or another friend. If there's anything going on that you don't feel comfortable with, then please speak to somebody. That's really important. But going back to that verse, yeah. How, so how do you give your life as an offering? And that means not necessarily just dating or just how you approach boys, but that's a really big part of it. As a young girl, I know boys were high up on my radar. I wanted to look good in front of the guys. I wanted to have friends that were boys. I wanted to be seen as attractive, all that kind of stuff. And God's saying, how do you use that for my glory? How do you honor the boys in your life for my glory? How do you bring your life before God and say, God, how are you going to use my life to build your kingdom? And the thing is, I think at this age, there's so many more, there's so many better things for you to be doing with your time than just hanging out with one guy and dating one guy and just being in a relationship at this age, I think. So um, just also to say that obviously dating, all of us would say that dating is because you've, you've got your eyes set on marriage. It's not just so that you date one boy after another and just uh, just have a bit of fun and you know mess around. Actually, the Bible's quite clear about guarding your heart and when you date someone and you spend exclusive time with somebody that actually you put yourself in a very vulnerable position with that person and it really it puts your heart in a vulnerable position that if you start falling for that person you really get involved like taylor was saying it makes it really really hard to then decide actually maybe this isn't the right thing before god and this isn't the thing that's drawing me closer to him and it makes it harder and harder and the further down the line you go with that the harder it gets so um Yeah, there's a principle there about guarding your heart, just actually saying, Jesus, I know that you've got the best for me and I want to guard my heart and bring it before you and accept what your best wishes are for me and not what I'm maybe seeing in the media or in movies or whatever as I think, oh, this is what I'm going to strive for and go for. Um, So I think, yeah, just um, guarding your heart um, is a big one. But also, um, I just want to say as well that Sometimes you kind of think about, oh, this is the kind of guy I want. I want him to be tall, dark, and handsome. I want him to like, drive a really good car. I want him to be uh, have loads of money or all the things you might think, oh, this is the kind of guy I want. And again, just what the media and what the world would tell you you should be looking for. Um, and actually, the Bible's really clear that in Christian marriage, it's not about putting your own needs first. It's about putting the other person first. And actually, it's about you both putting God first. So as a team, as a couple, you're putting God first. So in terms of the non-Christian boyfriend, actually your non-Christian boyfriend is not putting God first. And actually, he's probably not really putting you first in the sense that if you're saying, I want to live my life for Jesus, and he's saying, yeah, but I want you to date me, is he really honoring you? Is he really helping you do what's the right thing for you? So there's just a few principles. Obviously, it's up to you what you do with your time and how you spend your time, but there's some good godly principles that will help you drag you, drag you? <laughs> Draw you. Draw <laughs> you drag you, draw you closer to Jesus. And that's what we want to help you do and give you some wisdom on that if maybe you're kind of struggling with that you've got more questions. Have you guys got anything you want to add?
3: Uh, I just, oh, <clears throat> on a practical, it sounds very silly, but how many people in this room are age 16 and under? Who's under 16? Put your hand up. So most of you. So put your hands down. I would say on a really practical note, there are so many things, so many things that you could be doing with your lives now, other than dating, the list is endless. There are so many things that you can do and there, and actually <clears throat> if as a Christian boy or a non Christian boy, dating is a distraction it 's not the distraction you need in your lives right now. there are so many other things, and I would just say to you that. <clears throat> You know, the time uh, I I was already in a relationship when I became a Christian, but the time that I had before I had children, between getting married, becoming a Christian, and having children, is still, years later, my oldest child is 21, is still a really precious time for me, because that's the time I had loads of time with God, could go to every kind of meeting I wanted, could do so much stuff, and I still go back to that bucket, well, whatever you want to call it, and go, oh, Yes, I remember, that's that's when I had, you know, that's where I really got into my Bible, that's where I really got into prayer, I taught myself, so, and God taught me all those great disciplines. But even outside of that, there are just so many things that you could be doing, studying, loving life, enjoying life, and dating is way, 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 way down on that list. It might feel like, oh, it'd be so important to me today, it just isn't, that's the honest truth, and I think everyone here would say that, it just isn't, it's not important as it seems as your friends make it seem as media and tv and everyone around you everything around you saying "Dane's a big deal you should really be why would you not have a boyfriend it's a lie that's it's the only way to say that's a lie and the truth is you've got tons to do and you've got tons of time when that will that will be right and the time will be right for that Yeah, that's really helpful. Thanks. Yeah, I actually, when you started the question, God
2: just reminded me of um, a picture of a card (coughs) that I sent my dad and me and my dad out for a meal. And I was thinking about Valentine's Day. Now, I'm not too fussed about Valentine's Day now. Um, But when I was, yeah, about 14, 15, actually, um, I didn't have a valentine, right? So I told my dad, I told my dad, Dad, you've got to be my Valentine because you're the number one guy in my life. You're my dad. Aww, that's um, nice. And yeah, he was like, yeah, cool. I'll take you out for a meal. Um, and I spent time with my dad, right? And I remember thinking I did that for a couple of years. And every year I'd send my dad a card, right? Which is sweet. Um, but it was cool because I was spending time with a guy who had raised me, who loved me, who had my back, who protects me, who provides for me. And God just reminded me of that, that actually... It's okay to date God like for a while, not in a weird way, but just spending time with the one guy who loves you, who knows you better than anyone, who protects you, provides for you, like thinks you're the best thing, the best thing, you know, on the planet that you're worth Jesus, right? So I think just coming back to God in your heart. Thank God for a while like it's actually so cool to know that that's where my heart is so even if a guy comes along um, and yeah God does know the desires of your heart he will have someone um, or may have someone who is great for you and you don't know when that person's going to come along at all but if you know that this whole time that your heart is with a guy who's got you and that's God then you're sorted yeah
0: yeah I think like also on that note and just sort of tr- slightly going back to um, you know you can have a list of things that you're looking for in a guy and um, whatever but actually What kind of wife are you going to be? And when God has got the right guy for you, when you're at an age where you can get married and you're thinking, actually, I want to team up with someone, I want to partner with someone, I want to go on an adventure with God, with someone that's going to help point me to Jesus... Then what kind of wife are you going to be? Are you going to be someone that's an encourager? That's a great friend. If you don't have a friendship to start off with your marriage, I'm not married, but all of my married friends would say, if you're not friends, then that marriage is going to be very, very difficult. So if you know how to be a good friend to the people around you, to your fr- to your girls, to your guys, to everyone in your youth group, to people in your school, if you learn how to be a great friend, that is an excellent way. Are preparing yourself really well to be a great wife so just think about the things that god is putting before you now that you can get on with and don't worry so much about the stuff that is before you but you can't really do anything with right now actually it's for the future it's for the 10 years time when you get those three wishes yeah. <laughs> cool okay so next question Oh, okay this is for you um so Does the Bible... I love also, can I just say, that loads of the questions that you asked were, what does the Bible say about? Does the Bible say anything about? Where does it say about? It's really good. You guys want the Bible answers for stuff in your life, and that's what hopefully we're able to give you a little bit of and your youth leaders can give you as well. But that's great. That is the best place for you to be looking for answers to the questions in your life. Um, So, Kate, what does the Bible say about feminism, and why do we encourage gender-divided praying?
1: Okay, so... um The Bible, feminism um, isn't in the Bible as such as a term. And um, so I've looked up on um, Google what what feminism is just to see what would be the one sentence just to put it um, so we can understand it. So it's basically feminism for the most people would be understood as um, fighting for women's rights on the ground of equality of the sexes. So that would mean... It would be fighting for the rights of women, so that you, so that people would see women are equal to men. So that would be what, um, what the definition would most people would um, see feminism as. And um, so, the Bible doesn't, as such, talk about the term of feminism. But do you think the Bible has an opinion on women? Yes. Five of you do, and Kat and Carolyn, thank you. The Bible has got masses of opinion on women. And if we look at Jesus' example of how um, he treated women, it is, um, it's, it's, it's more than encouraging. So what is feminism? So feminism would be think the thought that men and women are equal in value, men and women are equal in worth, and women should be loved and cared for and treated the same respect as men so if that's what you think feminism is I would say yeah I think Jesus thought women were of value and of worth he treated them with respect he treated them with dignity he recognized their leadership gifting in them and he drew that out of them even when men in their cult in Jesus' culture sometimes dismissed them Jesus didn't dismiss women so in that sense you'd say yes he was he was actually pretty radical in the time so Jesus can show us how to treat women, and he does show us how to treat women. Um, and actually he surprise the disciples. But if actually you say that feminine, fe- fem- being a feminist is denying some of the being female, then I would say, no. He wants you to know that you're a female, and he wants you to know that actually he made male and he made female and they do have different roles. That is completely different in terms of value and worth and dignity. It's actually in a role, in a function. And, um, and I think that's what um, I wouldn't want to be denied in the biblical... In what, when we look at the Bible, I wouldn't want that being denied of us, about what it is to be a woman. So, um, for example, um, Joel cannot be a mother to my children. That's just a really obvious one. God has called me to do that as a female. That is what he's called me to do. And um, and Joel, however hard he tries, he can't do that and he never will. And that is something that I would say I am called to and I am, I've got as much value, as much worth, worth as Joel and, um, and I'm equal in how much God loves us. But God has called me to that and... Um, and that is something I will do. And, um, and actually, the Bible does celebrate some of these differences. And, um, and I think when you're a follower of Jesus, it's something we will always have to watch out for. That we always want to watch out for um, um, fighting for the women that are, can't speak for themselves. So when I um, see, um, especially in some things like the sex industry, I love that there are women fighting for other women that are trapped in the sex industry. And um, I love that. And I think, I I pray for more of that. So that's something where I I, I love seeing um, that being fought for. Um, But if actually people are fighting... Um, to squash the role of um, of men and fathers and their leadership role and and actually um, something stupid like an example would be something like Peppa Pig where daddy is always stupid and always silly, then um, I would want to get angry about that and think, no, that is not okay. But um, the other thing I just think of as well that um, I hope is helpful and not confusing, but I don't want feminism to go so far that, again, in, that something like... Um, he may disagree with me on this one, but I was thinking of something like firefighters. Well, I think it can go a bit far. Is where you think when you when I think that men or women can be firefighters. That's what I think. I think they can be, but actually I don't want it to go so far. And this is what I think our culture does, and the pressure is. So if a hundred people wanted to be firefighters, um, I think I want the hundred best people to be dragging me out of a building, and I don't feel like it's. Necessarily right to be going for well, we've got to have this amount of quota. I just want the best people at the job, and I think that's where it can be hard to kind of find the line of roles, and it can be confusing, especially in the church. Um, the whole thing about uh, different roles that we can be doing, but um, that's touching on it. But I think some of the best bit will be picked up now by others as well. Yeah, anyone got anything I want? And just <clears throat> sorry, it's a bit about um, the question about
3: praying for. Why doesn't the church? Oh,
1: okay. The Is there any more in the feminism bit or not? No. Okay. I think so. I'd
3: just say, like, I love what Kate's just said about the
0: firefighter example, because actually, I think there's really good bits of our culture that challenge maybe traditional views that aren't that helpful, and that's totally fine. Um, but, there's, um, but there are um, maybe some bits that are not ne- not positive in that. So. Whilst there's some people, whilst there's some things about our culture that are great in terms of like actually, yeah, we should challenge why women can't be in every in every job. Actually, if there's a woman that's amazing at that job, why should she not be doing it? But like Kate said, like it's just being sensible with that, and then not necessarily saying, well, you've got to have 50% women in every setting and every because actually that's just not actually, it's just not sensible. It just doesn't make sense. It's just being kind of equal for the sake of being equal, but not actually honouring people for their differences, which is really important. And um, in my job, we have to do this training on equality and diversity. And they talk about it not being treating everybody the same, but it's about giving everybody the same opportunity to succeed so I don't know if anyone here has got like dyslexia or anything like that, but you might get some extra time in your exams. And that's not because you're being picked out, on, picked out for being different and saying, oh, look at you, you're different. It's saying, we want to give you the same opportunity to succeed. So we are treating you a little bit differently. You might see that as, oh, well, that's not equal, but actually it's, it's good because it's giving you the same opportunities to succeed. So it's treating everyone differently for their different gifts and their different abilities rather than necessarily saying everyone's got to be exactly the same and do everything in exactly the same way, like robots, basically, which, yeah, just isn't the way that God sees us at all.
3: Um, And just, you know, we talk about different roles and different people doing things, and it is about gifting. So I, for example, um, do lots of leadership stuff for church. I lead um, a youth group and look after some other youth groups. I do that. My husband doesn't. He's not interested in doing youth work. He doesn't do it because I'm doing it. I don't need him to do it because that's not his gift. I don't need to, to be a, a bloke to do that. that. This is my gift and this is the gift that my church releases, in, releases me in to go forth and do because we look at giftings and ability and not saying, oh, well, we have to have you know a guy there and a girl there and, and, and mixing things up for the sake of it, which is what it can feel like. Shall I do the other bit of the question then?
0: Can I just say one more yeah. thing? Sorry. Um, also,
3: if you're someone that particularly feels like this is a
0: really big issue in your heart and something that you're really thinking about, I know it's in the media quite a lot. And I know, like, recently Barack Obama was saying he's a feminist, and feminism is a word that's banded around. And obviously, there's different definitions for it. Like, Kate's read one today that's really helpful, um, but there's different definitions that you might hear in the media. And if it is something that's on your heart, um, I'd really encourage you to speak to one of the leaders in your church about what your church believe about the roles of men and women and what they believe about feminism and ask them, what does the Bible say? Like, really have some time with them. I know that the leaders in my church and myself included with any of my young people, I would love to sit down with them and really go through it and say, what does it mean for you? And where have you got this idea from? And let's see what the Bible says on this. Like, they would love your time and to sit with you and chat it through. They are totally on your side and they want to help you out. Um, So yeah, if you've got stuff that you just feel, Like I'm not being heard on this, and I do not agree with the way my church is seeing this. Go and speak to somebody. Go and ask them. So, what is it that we really think about this, and where do we get that from? Um, They would love to do that with you. I can guarantee you that. So, do that. Make that a priority.
1: Okay. And so, the other question was about praying, and um, um, when these texts come in, you read a question and you kind of you just try and work out what it's meaning. So, it could. So, from listening to question about why do we pray. Men with men and women with women. I didn't know whether that meant like in your church you might have prayer meetings that are just men who are invited to or prayer meetings that are just women who are invited to. If that's what your church does, then that isn't a principal thing um, in terms of this has to be done. Some churches do it at points, at seasons, and other churches don't do it. That's just the way it rolls at some point. So we at our church. Um, there is a once-a-week male prayer meeting where just blokes go to it, but there's lots of other prayer meetings that men and women go to, and there actually is a, a couple of prayer meetings that women go to. Some is because it's, got, um, it's like mummers and mamas and toddlers groups or things like that. It's just a practical thing. So um, that just happens, and it isn't a, um, a principle or a values thing that we've got from Scripture. It's just often it's a convenience thing or a training leaders thing. There'll be another another reason for doing it, basically. The other, thing, the other way you could um, take that question is just on um, um, literally when at 12s to 14s, um, you may have encouraged us always praying, boys pray for boys, or male leaders pray for boys, or um, females pray for females. That may be the other way that, that question was asking you, and why are we doing that? So I want to touch on that as well. Um, one of the obvious reasons is because say it was someone having an issue with pornography or having um, issues with their period or something like that, then actually it's just, um, it can be more appropriate, can't it, to be talking to someone of the same sex that can understand, that um, can help you with that. And that is, um, that, that's just one really, really practical um, reason. Um, another, in, um, Another crazy fact that, I, that I've um, heard about, there's a book, um, D.A. Carson, a very famous theologian, he wrote a book on prayer, and in um, this book of prayer, I may be taking this way over your heads, but I would much rather do that, and you'd be like, oh, how interesting. The, um, there was a revival in Cane Ridge, in Kentucky, basically in America, where loads of people got um, saved. And, um, and as you can imagine, that context, everyone is praying. It's, just goes, it's like when you have an appeal and everyone comes to the front and everyone goes crazy. And it's like, we need more youth leaders to pray. There's too many. Do you know those points every now and again? So it's kind of like one of those, but it just happens like week on week on week or night on night on night. That's what revival is. And, um, and th- the crazy thing is, the other thing that actually in that revival that became famous is that sexual immorality in that town Peaked, when I mean peaked, I'm not talking about Joe peaked. I'm talking about peaked as in like rocketed, skied, went up. So um, sexual immorality went up. And, um, and the reason for that is if you meet with God and you get filled of the Holy Spirit and he does a deep work in your heart, you, you, you can cry. You can feel incredibly vulnerable. You can feel incredibly soft. It's very personal and um, I don't know if you noticed this, but you can get quite huggy at those points, and you can need a hug, and you can need comfort. And this is why we say to our youth leaders, um, pray for the same sex, and all you are allowed to do for physical touch is put one hand on their shoulder, like this. We're not asking you to hug them, to comfort them, to draw them in, to keep meeting up with them. It's because you're, it's actually, you're very vulnerable at that point in time, and, um, and it's our way of actually protecting you. And um, Your words of encouragement that can come, they are easier to hear without any confusion when a female says to you, this is what I think God is saying to you and trying to encourage you. When a really good looking bloke comes up to you, do you mind, starts rubbing Carolyn's back and then saying really encouraging things over her, unless it is Meryl, her husband, that might be really confusing as a single girl when a guy comes up and does that. So we, we are not ashamed of some of these rules that we put in, and we are not going to change them. We may sound completely out of date, and we may sound out of touch, but they're there to protect you, and we're going to keep doing that. And, um, and that's why your churches do that. And that is why um, a couple of times when um, that happens out there, where people accidentally kind of just quickly rush to the need then a white, a white t-shirt or an orange top would just suddenly, in a bit of an embarrassing way, just cut in and say, I'm going to join in, because it's to protect you.
3: Um, just remember as well that church isn't your house, okay? It's, it's church, it's like school, it, it, it has to operate under different rules, so in our house we have, we have two daughters, and my husband prays for them, because he's in relationship with them and we're not worried about those things, Okay? if we were If we were here at New day, there are lots of um, young people our house like most houses of teenagers, is full of teenagers all the time, okay, and lots of the girls that are around, I know, and my husband knows really well. And in our house, he might say, hey, what's up, to one of my daughter's friends, and they might say, I'm really upset. And he might give them a hug and pray for them because he knows their parents and he knows them and he's in great relationship with them and they're like nephews and nieces to us. But here, he wouldn't do that because actually somebody else watching might think, oh, what's going on there? That looks inappropriate. That girl looks uncomfortable. Okay, it's not your house. so It does work in different ways. Just like in school, you wouldn't expect... You know, when you're in primary school, you wouldn't expect to go and tell your teacher something sad and she sits you on your her lap and, and rubs your knee, okay, but you would go to grandma and think, well, I can sit on my nan's lap and she'll rub my knee. So different rules, like everything in your life, different rules do apply to different settings.
0: Cool. We are running slightly out of time, so we're just going to go for one more question, um, and we had loads of questions so i'm just going to say that if you ask any questions about bullying um about following your dreams um about the holy spirit again we're here at the end you can talk to us or please speak to your youth leaders about those questions the fact that you've started asking those questions is brilliant so just take that same question and just give it to your youth leader you don't have to think about how you rephrase it or anything like that um and yeah we're available to pray and chat with you at the end and there's going to be a whole ministry team here up at the, at the end to pray with you but um but yeah, if you've asked questions that haven't been answered, there was quite a few questions as well about, um, about having lust and about pornography and masturbation. Again, if you want to talk about any of those things, we'd love to talk to you about those things. Um, and yeah, just, uh, just sorry that we haven't got time to address absolutely everything. Um, so there was a couple of questions about um, what do you do if you're being asked something, to do something you don't want to do, basically. So two of them, um, what do you do if your church is telling you not to do something which is unfair anyway, and yet some of the adults do it? And on a similar note, maybe, how do you tell your parents that you feel God is telling you to leave something, but your parents feel it's right for you
3: to keep going? So, Carolyn, do you want to just take those? Yep. Um, So, before I answer the question, I just really want to say that, actually, we're just normal people. We're we're average people. We don't hold all of this amazing knowledge and whatever in our heads. Okay, we looked to your questions. We went home, or to caravans and tents. Um, you know, we prayed about it. We looked through the Bible for answers. So it's not that it's like, oh, there are great sages up there; they'll know all things. We're just not. We're just average folk. You know, we we get dirty fingernails. We have to shower. We do all the normal things that you all do, okay? So, and they, that's the same for your youth leaders. They're just they're normal people. They're beside you. They want to walk this stuff with you. Keep asking those questions, but also don't be afraid to to look for answers yourself. Get your Bibles out and search for some of those answers yourself. Um, So um, my church has asked me to do something that's not fair, and the adults are doing it. Uh, So first thing on that one is, is that God doesn't do fair. God does just. If we wanted fair, then... Certainly we don't get to be here and most of this room doesn't get to be here. Because fair means we don't get to be Christians. Fair means that we pay the price for all the bad stuff we've done today, yesterday, every day of our lives. So God, God isn't fair. God is just. Okay. And often when we, we think about fairness, I find in my house that when my kids would say it's not fair, what they really often mean is it's not really working out the best for me. It's going to be, this is going to be tougher for me. This is going to be a bit harder for me. And so we just have to think about that. When we're looking at something and going, that's not fair. What do we really mean? <clears throat> oh, sorry. Um, and God wants us, more, more, so importantly, that God, we remember that God wants us to be honorable. God wants us to honor our parents. God wants to honor our church leaders. God wants to, us to honor those that have authority around us. And and we want to be honourable to them consistently. Now, that does not work if someone's asking you to do something that is making you very uncomfortable. So if they're asking you to do something that is clearly wrong, wrong and fair are two different things. If someone's asking you to do something that is wrong or makes you feel very uncomfortable, the cat touched on it earlier... You find a a trusted adult, you talk to your parent, you talk to your youth leader, assuming it's not one of those people, you have that conversation with them. There are always people around you that are willing to have those conversations with you. But God wants us to be loving. And honouring, this is not an an easy thing for me. It's not something I stepped into naturally. I am a rebel. I go the other way. I will always rub the other way. Um, I'll often think, you want to do that? (laughs) I'm not going to do something else. But I've had to learn over time, that actually, that doesn't build the kingdom. That's not the best way. And so sometimes I'm asked to do something, and I think that's not fair. So most of you wouldn't have seen Stephen Dawson through the week. Stephen Dawson and I are good friends. Uh, We work together a lot. Uh, He's usually the boss of me in most situations we work in. And there are a lot of similarities in our characters. So we clash. Um, And sometimes we clash and I'll say, right, Stephen, I've got this brilliant idea. And I want the youth to do this. And he says, yeah, no. Like, come on, no, no, listen, listen, you're not hearing me. It's this, it's amazing, it's the most incredible thing ever. No, you can't do that. I'm like, that's so unreasonable. Oh, I can't believe it. Then I get a choice right there, and then I've got a choice. Do I ignore him and think, stuff it, he's not in my youth group on Friday night, I'll just do it anyway and take the hit later, or do I honour him? And ninety-nine point 9% of the time, I'll go for... Actually, I'll honour him. I trust him. He's my leader. I choose to submit to him as my leader. I'll go with what he he says. And every single time when that's happened, one of two things happen. Either I go back to him and say, wow, uh, you were right. That wasn't the right thing to do. So grateful that you pulled me up and stopped me from doing that. And he'll often then say, yeah, because this other bigger things going on in church and it, it all needs to fit in. And I go, oh, I get it. And sometimes he'll come back to me and go, do you know what? We should have done that thing. But let's, let's talk about how we could do it for the next time. And so we, we walk away at peace with one another because we've, our aim and our heart is to honor one another. And so what, in that, what I'm saying is that when we think about, oh, this isn't fair or my parents want me to do something and it doesn't feel fair or right to me, is that sometimes what we're actually thinking is, can I make the sacrifice? And honouring other people sometimes means that you take the hit, as we say. You do the thing that you didn't really want to do, you know. So should I stick with this course at school and my parents think that way? Or should I do that thing when I don't think that's my idea is much better than that silly idea that Sally had or whatever. And you take you the here, you go, Actually I'll make the sacrifice because often, so often, there's a bigger picture and it's worth knowing that when people are in leadership and authority over you, they can often see other bits of the picture that you can't yet see.
0: Cool. Thanks so much so we're going to um, end in a minute but um, yeah, like I said there's time for questions and ministry at the end so if you want prayer for anything like please stick around um, orange t-shirts are going to be here at the front and um, they're going to be able to pray with you um, yeah Taylor
2: um,
0: yeah, I just wanted to
2: say that if any of you um, did send in questions about any of the porn or masturbation um, or lust things then I'm happy to sit here all day um, and speak to any of you guys if you want to come and chat um, about any of that stuff
0: Great. Um, That is a very brave offer. Well done. Um, (laughs) um, So I just want to... Oh, thanks. That's for you. (laughs) I just want to end with reading that verse out again from Romans 12. And just maybe just shut your eyes where you are and just think about your um, lives. Think about the things that are in your heart, the questions that you might have you may or may not have asked, the things that you might be worried about, the things that you might be excited about, maybe your dreams, your ambitions, your ideas... And just bring that all before God now. Like um, the preach last night, they were talking about writing a list and giving, giving, giving things over to God that are in your life that are important to you and saying, God, what will you do with these things? What will you use these things for? Um, so that verse says, take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work or going to school, you're walking around life, and place it before God as an offering, as a gift And God, we just pray that this morning across this room that these young lives would have heard the call of you, Lord, and know that you have got a plan that is so much better than anything we could invent ourselves, so much better than anything we could choose for ourselves, Lord, that we want to trust you. We want to be women that walk so sure and so fully in you, Lord God, knowing that you have got our back at all times, that you are the best possible father, that you're the best dad we could ever ask for. God, I thank you that you love each and every girl in this room more than we could ever imagine, Lord Jesus. I thank you that you know our heart's desires, you know our dreams, you know our passions, you know what we're good at, you know what we're bad at, Lord, and you love everything about us, Lord Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you give us power in the Holy Spirit to do and live life in the way that you would have us live it, Lord. The best possible way that will bring us closer to you and help build your kingdom. And God, would you help us now as we leave this place and leave New Day to keep putting you first, to keep choosing you, to keep asking you for help, Lord God. For your glory, Jesus. Amen.